always, that was our uh, fantastic theme song done by our great friend of the show, Colin Cow, with Colin's Coffee. Um, I am Steve Shoney. I'm the city manager of the city of Upper Arlington. I'm here with my co-host and sidekick. I'm Darren Schulman. I'm the city attorney, and I and I embrace the sidekick. Myth. I know you do. You have you have really made that part of your being. My dad is like, "Why are you the sidekick?" <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know, Dad. I just, that's just what I do." Because you haven't booked a guest yet, and we're on guest number twenty-four. <laughs> um, so when you book, uh, so you've got twenty-four more guests before you stop being just the sidekick. Um, so we are very excited today. I am particularly excited to have one of. Uh, uh, all of our 36,000 residents are my favorites, but there's some that are, who are more favorite than others. Um, and today oh, we shucks. do have one of my uh, true favorites. Um, uh, Margie Pizzuti is with us, longtime resident. Um, let's see if I can list off a few of the things. So former uh, uh, past president of the Upper Arlington Community Foundation, former co-chair of the community center, um, feasibility task force, former school board member, like 12 years, 12 years on school board, um, <laughs> former CEO of Goodwill Columbus, um, and former head of development for, uh, nationwide children's. Am I getting that right? Uh, broader than that, but that's enough. That's okay. okay. Um, did a lot of stuff at nationwide children's and, um, just fantastic, uh, true, um, leader in the community. Welcome, Margie. Thank you so much. I'm humbled. I'm kind of impressed that you kind of did that off the top of your head. Like you have notes, but they're not really. No, I didn't have anything. Yeah, that, those were that was off the top of your head. That was yeah. a, and um, uh, former winner of or not. I don't know if you say former winner. The uh, most immediate, like actually 2022 winner of the Heart of UA Award. Yes, the reigning the champion reigning. of the Heart of UA. Award. And it actually wasn't the Heart of UA. Just to clarify, it Listen. was the um, Leadership UA. That's right. That's right. So you get Sue Ralph was the recipient. That, Sue, and, Sue was the yeah. And the reason why you know so much about my background is that you introduced me when I received that award from. That's right. Uh, I got from L- uh, Leadership UA. And we're going to come back to one of the things I said about you in that um, okay. later. But you've listened to the podcast, right? I have. A couple. So you know how we start. We start with our start, bench, cut series of questions. So we're going to give you three things. And we try to make you uncomfortable, just so you know. I mean, that's, oh. That's the thing. Well, and you can go with the sports thing and the song no, no, thing. No, no, no. We're not we going to we Oh, crazy. no. I just prepared that's for it. That's why we do this. No. We, we went crazy this we time. Went, we went we went uh so uh, we ask everybody who comes on the pod we say tell us kind of what's your sports thing what's your music thing and what's your geekiest guiltiest pleasure yeah um and for margie the music thing was folk music yes and so we went so one well, of these we had a problem too because we don't listen to folk music so we had to well that's that's a that's, that's a problem on you for us. yes that's on that is definitely in, in an interest of like you know, so disappointed. Communicating with our guest, we kind of but tried to we get did, into it. We tried to find some classic folk songs that also have been covered um, by some interesting people. And so uh, your uh, task today is these are folk songs that um, which one would you want to listen to all the time? Which one would you have, be able to listen to like once a month and which one would you never be able to listen to together? It's gone. Ever again. And um, you have to also think about this as though it was the covered version. So I'm going to give you a group, someone who covered this song as well. 
I know this is really complicated. Gosh, you made me have to answer We're going to make you have to think. So here we go. Um, Eve of Destruction by Barry McGuire, um, which was covered by Public Enemy. Okay. Um, That's kind of surprising. <laughs> Uh, like a Rolling Stone, uh, obviously Bob Dylan. Um, you have several versions of this uh, for covers. Um, Seal did it. Hen- Jimi Hendrix, I think, fairly famously did it. Uh, the Rolling Stones did it, and Cher covered that one. Okay. Well, there. I feel you- like you must be limited to the Cher version. I think you're limited it just to Cher. Seems version. like that's the one we got to go with. And then Mr. Tambourine Man, which I. Hey, I, Mr. Tambourine Man, play it, a song for me. Exactly. Okay. Uh, the problem is that's not the I'm version gonna... you get. So the, <laughs> the options. Are, so Dylan wrote it. I think the history on that one is Dylan wrote it. The Birds did it before he recorded it, um, and then he recorded it. But the version that you would um, be blessed to listen to forever uh, would be the William Shatner version. Wow. And, and <laughs> just, just a little bit just of a... wow. I actually own that version on CD if you need it, if you know, if you want to live up to your, your cut start bench here. So you've got Eve of Destruction, uh, which, you know, if you wanted the cover version, that would be Public Enemy um, doing it in the early 90s angry rap uh, style. Um, you would have Like a Rolling Stone, uh, by Cher, um, or Mr. Tambourine Man with the William Shatner um, dramatic reading almost style of Mr. Tambourine Man. So are you going to ask me to sing one of those? No, or you have to rank them. Like, oh my God, who even remembers which ones you said? So Even I'm Destruction, <laughs> Like a Rolling Stone, Mr. Tambourine Man. Okay, like, uh, like a Rolling Stone, it would be one. Okay. Number two would be... Mr. Tambourine Man, and number three would be Eve of Destruction. Destruction. Uh, That, to me, uh, doesn't even remotely cover the depth and breadth of folk singers and folk music. No, I know. We fully admit that we know nothing about folk. We know nothing about folk. And we went with the things that have... So I went with the kind of cover thing. So I know there's a lot of much... What would be the quintessential folk song? Or, or singer. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Okay. Okay, which I sang these lullabies to my children when they were growing up. That's how passionate I am about folk music. Uh, and it was that time, the 60s and the 70s. So Puff the Magic Dragon, 500 Miles, Blowing in the Wind, If I Had a Hammer, uh where have all the flowers gone? These are, Those are classics. classic songs from Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, and I actually met them because they did a concert in Columbus way back when Dick Celeste was governor, mm-hmm. and he invited them to his home after the concert with a group of folks. And I got and they, to meet they them. They went there. They're like, "Cool, let's go hang with the governor." Yeah. Hey, you know why not? So that must be a folk <laughs> folk music star thing. Yes. I can't imagine like Kiss being we like, were, "Let's go hang out." Because we the were governor. all shades of the well, '60s, and the, you know. The, the Celestes were pretty. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they were. They were pretty cool. I forgot you were celestial. Yeah, that's okay. Did you just uh, say celestial? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a 40th year reunion last summer. Really? Of all the celestials, yes, it was quite something. So, so, so there's a number of you all. Who, uh, there's a few of them, a few celestials that are UA residents. Am I remembering? Yes. That? So, like, can I have an official definition of celestials? 
folks who worked for Celeste and were really passionate about his uh, his time in office and what he represented uh, about the value of public service. But you had to have worked worked with him. You can't just you're not. Yes. It's not just fans. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's right. folks who, yeah. yeah, worked through the years. Uh, so uh, I I'm trying to remember. Uh, some folks, and I'm drawing a blank, but there are UA we'll, residents. We'll come back to that. Okay. So, can I mention one more folk? Yeah. Music, yes. And then you can move on because we don't have to move on. I'm. We can go into the. We well. can move we can on. Go, no, we, can, we can go deep on. It. No, that's okay. No, I'm serious. Well, some of the other ones. John Denver. Mm. Okay. Quintessential. Yeah. Um, sunshine on your sh- sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. Is he on a jet plane? Leaving Even on, on a jet plane? Hey, I no, know I saw. Um, no, you know, leaving on a jet plane was not him. It wasn't him. No. Did he? It could no. But oh, he's, I don't know anything. He sang Rocky Mountain High. High. Yeah. You remember? Um, Thank God I'm a country boy. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, what about the West Virginia song? Is that him? Yes. Okay. Yes. So which? Uh, so which of those songs? do you think is the one that kind of would be the most relevant if somebody wanted to go and kind of revive a song and cover it and do that kind of stuff? From the ones I mentioned, or, Peter, Paul, and Mary, yeah. or, or John Denver, sure. or, yeah, or uh, James Taylor. I yeah. mean, there's, let me think. Uh, I think Lady, My Sweet Lady. I don't know if you know that give one that, from John Denver. Lady, My Sweet Lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Okay, that's so do one. Do you like it when people cover the songs, or are you like, man, that's not, that's not John Denver. I can't listen to that. Right. That's that's why I cringe when you really? mentioned the cover. Um, well, and it folks, was, and it was William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's double the, layers of yeah. cringe. William, that. Yeah. And 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 I mean the one that Bob Dylan did was was okay, but that's why I am really a purist when it comes to um, folk music and those individuals who sang them. And Last we'll question about folk music okay, for me. Sorry, well, we keep going. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, you've listed a lot of like classic folk music. Are there current people who are making folk music you like, or you, it's not really the same? Um, that's a great question. Uh, it's not really the same. I'm trying to think of s- some folks that are doing folk so, mu- music revisited now, and I'm and I'm not quite sure. So it's really kind of a, an era as well, right? Like a genre. And I don't know whether um, James Taylor is doing some newer music. He's still around. He's still around, but I think I've been to his concerts, and I believe he's singing some of his um, his more. So this is a prep. This is a prep for we we keep trying to get. So there's a band that's actually kind of the whole singer songwriter kind of next generation of um, folk. I almost said funk when they're clearly they're not very much not funk, very much folk uh, camp, which is a Group, I think two or three of the members are UA kids oh. um, who uh, we're trying to kind of get them on the show next time they're next time they're around town. I, we'll kind of keep this and revisit this list with them. I think this would be a good kind of thing to go with them because they are making this kind of music. Um, so if there you Spotify go. Spotify or whatever you use, C A A M P. Oh, I think you'd actually kind of. Like it and groove on it. Good. I'm glad I inspired you to perhaps the, think there about. There we go. This is about <laughs> the kind of exchange and learning that we look for that goes at a higher level. But there is something that I you. I just love how Spotify's 
scoring of like songs is going to shoot through the roof based on all our listeners trying all these songs. It is. They, the camp will owe us for the three people that might pull up a camp. As will William Shatner. He's like, why is my Tambourine Man song oh, getting me tambourine. so many royalties this week? <laughs> Shatner's going to. Maybe Shatner. we'll get him on the pad on the pod. I would accept him on the pod, even though he has no UA connection. <laughs> so we've been very highbrow talking about, well, for us, highbrow talking about folk music. But there was something a little lower brow. In I well I, I don't know I don't want to be judgy. Um, lesser brow, more less, popular, <laughs> m- more more less thought provoking than folk music. Um, in your profile, which is that you uh, your guilty pleasure is Hallmark. Yes. Channel rom coms. Rom coms. You know what that means. Romantic, romantic comedies, comedies right? Yes, just yes. thought I'd for your listeners, yes. just in case. So we have. We have a game. A game for you. This is a new this game. This is a new game, and we're actually going to make Brian play this game, too. Brian has no idea what we're doing. We've gone off script. We, we are completely off Why script. Why did you go off script with me? Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> would, because I knew it would make you absolutely crazy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so we have uh, five movie descriptions for you. Okay. And titles. Three of them are actual Hallmark channel movies one is one that darren wrote and one wow. was written by uh, artificial intelligence ai like just one of these random oh like, generators in there yes and said, write us a script yes and, it did and you us. could because these scripts are totally and we want to re- see how good you are at figuring out okay the three real one ai and one darren fake okay all right do you want to read we're going to rotate do you so. want to read first or do you want me to I'll read first. Okay. Oh, no. Don't. How do we want to do the game? Does she have to tell us each time or does she get each, all five? She has to tell each us time. each one. Please don't make me remember because okay. um, it'll test my memory here. Yeah, okay. That's fair. And okay. they'll run together. All right. That's so I'll start. This one is called Walking Away with My Heart. Abby's dog walker, Eddie, sets her up on the perfect blind date with Jean. There's just one problem Jean is moving to Germany in a week. She and Eddie come up with a plan to convince Jean to cancel the move. But she soon finds herself wondering where the real connection might be. That's a fake. Hallmark? That's no. AI. So is it AI or Darren? Oh. Yeah, there's there's multiple layers of this challenge here. Oh, wow. So it's, I'll say it's Darren. It is. And you're correct. <laughs> Boom. Well done. You are not nearly as good as you thought you were. The AI, yeah. Yeah, well, I think she'll predict the AI, too, if she can predict me. But, uh, <laughs> all right, Steve. Uh the Dog Lover's Guide to Dating. Simon believes Chloe is the girl of his dreams, but can't seem to win her over win over her beloved pup. He enlists dog trainer Alex and it's soon It's Hallmark. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> saw it last week. You saw the Hallmark Guide to Dating. That's amazing. Oh, you wow. thought I was kidding you, huh? You are a real fan. <laughs> this is so embarrassing so, <laughs> for people listening. They're going to go, wow. This... I, we haven't even been able to give Brian a chance. We were going to ask this... Brian to weigh in on these. need to. She's an expert. She's... I just have to ask a wow. question. Did you not know mine because it wasn't written well or because you have seen literally every movie and that, you hadn't seen that one? I have seen literally most of the movies. So, People are going to think I'm just some sort so of slug. I tried, you know? to, I tried to look at the schedule and figure out which ones hadn't aired yet, and I must have missed it with that one. Because well, I, fi- I I was worried about that kind of 
I can't call it cheating. It's just failure on my part. knowledge. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, similarly, Steve, I guess if you asked me, like, Marvel Comics movies, I would probably be able to figure it out. So we're, we're hitting Maybe a real house here. Maybe should try that sometime. All right. So let's hear it. Is this the third one and final one? So there's five. There's, oh, there's we've five. Got five. Okay. And we're not going to tell you how many Darren wrote. Okay. There is only one AI one. So okay. go ahead and read the one you want next. A Dash of Love. Have you seen it already or not seen it already? Just read it. Okay, when an aspiring <laughs> chef lands an assistant job at her idol's restaurant, she's convinced her big break is just around the corner. After a rocky start, she befriends the handsome executive chef, and they begin bonding in the kitchen. But her joy is short-lived when she discovers her idol stealing her recipes and fires them both to protect her secret. Together, they set out to create their own pop-up restaurant and discover the most important ingredient is love. Yes, and that is Hallmark. <laughs> you've seen this one i have oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> can't stump the master oh, she God. ended up i think she went to hawaii to start a new sort of life and and career in, in as a chef so anyway but yes that's one go ahead okay, so before we i'm continue, on a roll now i'm digging in this, are these guilty pleasures or do you like get into the science of this because there's definitely a formula yes there's definitely a formula and it's just a guilty pleasure it's just sitting down and watching uh the so the, the, the totally uh recognizable theme and story unfolding it's totally predictable do, do but they ever like swerve and have it be like a sad ending like never they hate each other at the end? never because people wouldn't watch they it wouldn't watch it yeah all right it's enough gonna, of that around I'm the gonna world try, we're gonna try two more okay two unlikely strangers sandy and mark are thrown together by fate despite their differences the two quickly become close friends learning from each other and helping each other grow as their connection grows stronger they must confront their own doubts and fears and learn to trust in each other and in the power of love. In the end, Sandy and Mark find their happily ever after, proving that love can be found in the most unexpected places. And what was the name of that one? Oh, sorry, Love and Laughter. That's AI. Yep. It is AI. <laughs> it was pretty good, though, for AI. Not just... bad, but not specific no, enough. Right. They're, they're, it just was too gen- – it was it the was generic. The, yeah, yes. AI that was knew enough formula. to kind of get us there, but it couldn't come up with more detail. Right. So. All right. And well, one more? Yeah, I mean, she's going to have seen it. We got the, yeah. Let's see. A well, splash of love. Okay. <laughs> a PhD student expands her studies to include the whales of the Pacific Northwest, where she meets a whale-watching tour guide, and they soon find themselves bonding over more than just orcas. It's all Hallmark. That's a, one, that's a great one. That's a great a one. Of, <laughs> just because sometimes the scenery yeah. and the visuals, that's the other thing. Do they that, have real whales in that one? Like, yes. The production it's, value's that high? It's really terrific. And he's sort of curmudgeon at first, but then oh, it has up. to be, right? Right, yeah. So, so we've there gone you over go. this. You've aced the test. Can you tell us what the best Hallmark movie is, in your opinion? Like the quintessential, everyone's got to see it. Oh, my gosh. Or are they all the same? So that's a kind of dumb question. Can't, I really don't have a top-of-the-line favorite. Uh, they're all really good. I'm just trying to think of one that was particularly... Do you like the holiday ones or the like uh, these kind where they're kind of just general romance ones? Both. I get totally consumed during the holidays. I was going to ask, the how, how did you find time to shop or anything? Because there's like there's a like, gazillion of them. Yeah, they like, are on... You can watch the 10 to midnight ones. So they are on every two hours on Hallmark Channel and even a couple of the other Hallmark channels. So... 
Enough of that. People <laughs> will think I'm totally superficial, which no, is totally everybody's got a little superficial in there. So, right? well, the, you have been so real in everything you've done that it gives you the ability to be um, super, superficial. So, thank you. Um, early career was um, Celeste. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, remind me what you did in that role. I was. Um, the deputy director at the Department of Development okay. of Marketing and Development, and then I was in his, and I I was also on his staff as his director of communications, so coordinating all of the communications with all the twenty six state agencies. So I did the Ohio, the heart of it all, when I was at the Department of that's Development. You? Yes, uh, oh, I know that. That's like, that's a big time. Was, Those yeah. are big roles, by the way. I used to work in state government. Okay. So the heart of it all even lasted beyond Celeste's administration of eight years to eight years of Voinovich's administration as governor because it was so impactful and it had so much brand awareness that it was smart to keep it. So how did you, I mean, I, that's like one of the things I always remember growing up is the heart of it all. How did you come up with that? I mean, that's like it almost perfect, but how, do you just like sit there and think about it, or do you use consultants? They, we, I use consultants. Um, David Millenthal, when, at that time it was Hameroff Millenthal, uh, and we work, you work through a process and a methodology. There is, there is a, a process to it, and just thinking about words that describe Ohio, thinking about unique aspects of the state, and and then going through a process, a methodology of brainstorming. And when you think of Ohio, the heart of it all, it's it's in the center yes. of the country. Um, it has so much diversity, really. It's got eight, eight major metropolitan areas, and then it's got all these rural areas. Uh, it's a very eclectic state, and so... And it's got, because of that, it has a lot of things to see as a tourist. All the state parks, just the state parks, and what's happening in Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati from a from an artistic and sports. It's the of it all. That's why we came up with... Ohio uh, kind of looks like a heart almost. Yeah. I mean, it has so many layers to it. I, just, I put way too much thought into that slogan when I was in school. That's interesting. So... That was how we came up with it, and it really, and then we came up with that 1-800-Buckeye, which had the largest number of responses of any state tourism program in the country, including New York, you know, I love New York, and California. It it just resonated with people, and it was it was memorable. We we received so many calls on that 1-800-Buckeye line. So anyway. It's a lot harder than you think, because I know this region in particular, I could be wrong here, but it struggles to like come up with a tagline or a phrase. I mean, the heart of it all like really landed, but a lot of places can't do that. It's not as easy as it seems. And we targeted, because we're not New York or Chicago or LA or Florida, we targeted the short vacation. Not the two-week vacation or the one-week, but if you want to do an extended four or five-day vacation, we put together packages, actually, where you could do that, and you didn't have to travel far. So we really found a niche in the travel and tourism market, and that's what served us well, too. So, so the other thing that you worked on that people in the Columbus area will, who are my age or older will remember is... 
you worked on the 500, the, all the celebrations around the... Yes. Um, the quincent the jubilee, quincentennial jubilee, jubilee 500th anniversary of columbus's voyages to the americas we're the largest city in the world with the name columbus there's lots of countries it was uh, a little bit uh controversial because so, of the whole native american connection i was going to ask whether that was really a thing gosh what was it uh, 30 years ago now Thank you for reminding me. No, yes. trust me. I, I, it was it, 92. Yeah. It holy smokes. <laughs> um, makes me feel old, too. Because um, I remember, uh, you know, I was actually an intern in state government during that time. Um, uh, it was between my junior and senior year in um, uh, college. And actually, I remember the, fir- the first time my wife met my parents, we went to Ameriflora. Oh, uh, there so you that's, go. That's the kind of that's why it all comes back in terms of vivid uh, color, in terms of exactly kind of when that was. Um, but anyway, you know what? How big of a thing was that? I mean, when you compare that to, I mean, what was it last year, year before last, when they took the Christopher Columbus statue down in front of City Hall? Right, right. You know, at that point in time. It was not, it was an issue, but it wasn't really front and center. And we organized the commission around four legacy goals, which were neighborhood and community, arts, education, uh, and, and leaving legacy projects. And so we really worked very diligently on advancing those initiatives, like Ameriflora, quite frankly, which is an incredible legacy at Franklin Park, right? Uh, And other education projects that you would would recognize today that were like right from the start, preschool education, we had a whole initiative around that. Uh, And we invested uh, we created a grants program through the Columbus Foundation to give neighborhoods grants so that they could invest in their neighborhood and be a part, many beautification grants in uh, a part of the of the celebration. So it was certainly a piece of it, and that's okay yeah. because uh, it, it really reflected the, the challenges and the conflict around indigenous people. So we really tried to not ignore that, but really focus on things that would leave a lasting legacy for the community. That's was great. it always kind of on the schedule that you were going to commemorate this, or did the idea come up, hey, this is coming up, maybe we should do something? No, it was, that's a great question. It was definitely uh, something that was planned. In fact, I went with a delegation of city and county leaders to uh, Scotland f- the two years before where they had their version of Ameriflora. It's an, an internationally recognized uh, floral um, event. Okay. And so we went there to really see how they did it and to learn from them. And so they it had been in the planning uh, for, uh, for three, four years. Cool. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, oh, that's it. 
on that subject. On that subject. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so, sure this so would. So what your whole career has been about public service. Where did that kind of love of public service come from? That is a really crucial question and an important one. Uh, it gets to the core of who I am, and that was Dick Celeste. Um, he said, we can do together all those things we can't do alone. And he inspired me by his passion for public service, started as a state rep, as you may know, in Cleveland, then went on to be lieutenant governor when they weren't running in tandem. Uh, believe it or not, yeah, but uh, this was 1972, uh, maybe. Uh, he he ran for lieutenant governor. I worked with him on that campaign. Then when he ran for governor in 78, and he lost the first time. <clears throat> but all throughout that time, he really gave me this passion for giving back and paying forward. And that stayed with me. That really framed, to your point, my career. Because I spent 20 years in economic development and tourism marketing mm -hmm. with Chamber of Commerce and then Columbus 92 <clears throat> and then the state with tourism. And, and then I went on to work at Children's. I was the senior VP for strategic marketing okay. and community development. Yeah, and then, and then at Goodwill. And so it really was my true north if you will. It was what grounded me from a career perspective and my involvement in the community right. as a volunteer. So, so you, uh, the in this community, um, although I, I was going to say your, your longest period of involvement was with the school board, you said 12 years. Uh, it feels like we're approaching that with the work that you've been doing on the community center between the dog years. Right, because I tell people I was really on school board for 84 years. Yeah. For every year you're on school board, it's like dog years. Yeah. You're on seven years. So go ahead on the so, community center. But it feels like we're approaching. It feels like we're approaching 12 <laughs> years. But then again, as you said, school board years really, truly, I think, are the dog are. are kind of it goes in dog years although I will say I loved it I had passion around it because so I don't want to demean it what was the what was the thing that you found most rewarding about that service about school board um children are our most precious resource I don't mean to sound corny but they are yeah. <clears throat> and making an investment in our children and their future through education in a community that already is um, has a an exceptional school district. However, it's always about continuous improvement. You can't become a legend in your own mind. Yeah. And, and so I thought I could bring a perspective as a nonprofit leader. I mean, at the time I was at, I was at uh, Children's uh, and then at Goodwill. And I just thought that it would be a place where I could provide my perspective as a non-educator also because several of the individuals had education background which is terrific yeah. but I thought I could bring another perspective uh, and and that was what inspired me to run and I ran I get, there were six people that ran for two open seats that year oh wow yes and so uh, it really it really was quite a campaign. Back then, I raised $11,000 for this campaign, which is that now. like a lot, though. Yeah, for it, back then. It was back then, but it's, and now it's not that. Because uh, I really 
told my story about why I wanted to run, and people were supportive. And so it was truly grassroots, though, door to door. And how was it making that pivot? Because, you know, I've been in public service most of my career, but I can't even fathom like running for something. And you were always working you know, for elected officials. How is that moving to now I'm the candidate? Yeah, that's that's a, another really good question because... Yeah, I'm on three for three today, Steve. Just, I'm I don't telling usually ask good questions, Mark. You're so on I a roll, this. so I'm glad and I... He has any, and so <laughs> at some point he's going to ask you what your favorite um, Marvel ca- character is. Yeah, it'll crash and burn at some point. I'm, I'm yeah, that's going to crash and burn because yeah. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not a I'm not a, a Marvel fan. Not that I'm not. I don't okay, like them. We don't want to end this interview early. This no, that's right. Got to go. Uh, bye bye. Uh, and and so now I don't remember the question about pivoting to running. Uh, yes, and so I had run folks' campaign, and I had been involved with with individuals who were with public service. But it's scary to then become that elected official. Because you have a fiduciary responsibility now and a whole different set of 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 rules and laws that you have to abide by. And so it was daunting, actually, to make that transition. I just spent my first year, fortunately I had 12, really listening and learning about what it is like to be a school board member, what are the key issues, uh, and and that served me well, but it was a it was an interesting transition because it's very serious when you're uh, unfortunately there are not enough people that take elected office seriously, right. but this was something that was really important and so I spent the time um, to understand what it's like. Well, and I do want to say thank you for one of the things that you do that doesn't show up on that very very long resume of yours, which is. Um, I know how much time you spend whenever somebody is expressing an interest in running for office, that you take the time and sit down with them. Because, you know, we're heading in, this 2023 is an election year for both the school board and for city council. And for us to be able to do our jobs and for our, our partners and colleagues at the school board to be able to do their job, you have to have people who understand what the job of being on that board is and that you're not... You're, you're not on a corporate board and you're not on the PTO. Right. And finding that place where... Um, that sweet spot. Yeah. That is... And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I do spend time, because of all of that, mentoring individuals, mm-hmm. not only to go into public service in general or nonprofit, the nonprofit sector. But specifically in this case, I want to give them a real understanding of what is involved. Someone I talked to years back who I said, you know, you got to run a campaign. They said, I have to run a campaign. I have to like raise some money and I have to have a platform. And I'm like, yeah, you just don't put your name on a list and get to be an elected official. So I've mentored uh, and had conversations with individuals because I want to make sure that, to your point, Steve, that our city council members and our school board members really have an appreciation and understanding of what it it's like to be in those positions. Well, and I think the work that you've done and, and uh, basically every other um, former council member that I know spends the time to do that. I think that's part of why we have, when I look at how our civic conversation functions and I compare it to other places around Central Ohio I think we have you know I'll say it I think we have the best civic culture 
um, when it comes to how we treat each other in our meetings, how um, our board <laughs> our board members relate to each other. Um, they can disagree but aren't disagreeable. We don't have people who are just looking to throw bombs and score points, and it's because of uh, this is a thank you to you and, and oh, all of the other that. prior elected officials that I know who are really dedicated to making sure that that continues. Right, and, and I appreciate that and know that we all know that there were times when we've had, that's okay, when we've had some, some disagreements and maybe it wasn't um, uh, perfectly agreeable to disagree however it's about continuity to your point and it is about if you want to be a stable community and you want to be a community that really responds to the needs of your citizens you're going to want that level of continuity so so there are two questions we ask every guest and you sent these in and i i literally on purpose did not read them you, okay. Because we want to have the magic of we, first time we hearing. the magic of first time hearing. Uh, <laughs> honest reactions. So, and this, like, this is the one thing we, we allowed you to prepare for, and I, I, I'm glad I that bring, you prepared for I it. I didn't bring my notes on that one, but that's, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm, now I'm going to be. So hold on. Before we get there, what did you take? What did you, what did you take before? So Margie, I, I've worked a lot with Margie over the last three years, and she's always prepared, and she came in. She thought we were going to ask her about sports, so she's got a terrible towel. She's got an OSU um, uh, towel. She's got all kinds. Of, what did you bring notes on? I have to know the answer. Okay, to this so I was going to focus on because everybody bleeds scarlet and gray around here. The yeah. OSU thing, and I didn't go to Ohio State University. I went to Kent State, but to rah rah for the golden flashes. I loved my time at Kent State, but it's not the same. And yeah. I've been here for a long time. But the Steelers, that's your team. That's my team. And I know I'm not going to make many friends who are listening to this who are Browns or Bengals fans, but I don't care. Just so long as it's not the Browns, I don't care. Uh, Steelers, Steelers, I'm okay with Steelers, okay. which makes me unusual as a Bengals fan. But well, it's kind of weird, Steve. But it is. And, and I am a, 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 a rabid Steelers fan by marriage. Oh. I'm from New York. Didn't have a love for sports when I was growing up. Came to Ohio and still didn't, you know, have a connection. And then I married somebody who bleeds black and gold and not Upper Arlington black and gold, you know, the other black and gold. And it was in the 70s. And the Steelers, yes. Okay. I know, you know, they've got a different dynamic now, um, particularly with. Roethlisberger retiring and trying to find their rhythm with a um, a new quarterback, but that steel curtain. Yeah. I mean, when you think of right, Mean Joe Green and Ernie Holmes, they were the defensive tackles, and then you have Elsie uh, Greenwood, remember, and uh, Dwight White, who were the defensive ends, and just the way the steel curtain, the the you know, in sports you've got these nicknames, as you know. Yeah. For everything and everybody. If you're awesome, you do. Yeah. If you're awesome, if you, you do. If you stink, you don't usually get a nickname. Right. Like, the Browns don't have too many good nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. But, but you know, the, the history. I think the Browns says it all. Yeah. You know, the history of, of that is incredible, of the, how the Steel Curtain got its name. Just in a minute, because I know I'm going to want to talk, mm. most importantly, about the last two questions. But it actually um, was taken from the Iron Curtain, which was Winston Churchill's comment, and this was back in 71, a local radio station did a 
uh, a contest to name this, this is how iconic, right? To name the defensive line. And they had a lot of entries and uh, obviously the notion of steel production, right, uh, was something that resonated. 17 individuals actually submitted steel curtain as one of them. So then they had to do a runoff, okay? And a ninth grader, from a suburban school district, one, because he was one of the 17 that submitted Steel Curtain, and that's how it became the Steel Curtain. And if any of you remember Myron Cope, who, okay, he was the announcer, anybody listening who's from Pittsburgh, Myron Cope, he's the one who created this towel. The terrible towel. He's the one who came up with the terrible towel, and it really became iconic, obviously, uh, but that's what happened, and I just thought you might like to know that. I do, and I, I realized a couple of things during this interview. You are an expert at branding. You know about the steel curtain, the terrible towel, the celestial, the heart of it all. Can you put your thinking cap on? After the show, I don't want to put you on the spot. We need some branding for the fans of the Won't You Be Our Neighbor. Oh, that's a great we need some idea. Tag, we need something like brand and, and you really brought resonate. Some, you brought it to the table today. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. And I I am more than happy to oblige we'll by... We'll give you credit if you can come up with something. We'll talk yeah, about we, it every we, show. We need something to some way other than just saying um, Holly and... And my dad. And your dad. <laughs> for our, uh, That's for, a start. For yeah. our <laughs> core fans. Because yeah. really that... Well, and Vicky and Pastor Vicky. So, Pastor uh, Vicky. I love uh, her. So, yeah. It's, I mean, we need some... We, opportunity. I got some ideas. We'll talk. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we will pay the same thing we paid for our uh, yeah, we well, the same deal for our, our theme song as we did for our license we well i mean we'd have to come up with something else because we did promise all of our advertising revenue to colin that's true so we'll come for, up with other for the theme song. i will do this pro bono and yeah. happily true public servant <laughs> that's that ex- is her commitment <laughs> to public service <laughs> that's right um all right so our last two questions are always what do you love about ua and what would you change so Obviously, I've given a lot of thought to this, and it's embedded in my persona in many ways because I'm not, I'm a first generation UA resident. I wasn't born here, but I've been lived here for 45 years, and you've heard of the things I've done. Mm-hmm. And mo- many of the things I'm going to say are obvious, however, they resonate. And, and one is this, this sense of deep pride and passion that people that live in UA have for this community. Part of it's generational. I mean, part of it gets to the third, fourth generation of families that are here. I remember when I was giving out degrees, high school diplomas, and I was a school board member, and Kip Greenhill, who would weep at every one of these, uh, (laughs) would say, first generation stand up. Seventh, second generation, third, fourth generation. It was palpable, the deep history and the roots that we have in this community. And um, the love and passion for education and, and lifelong learning, I think, is really important. And just a sense of recognizing that we really do have um, have all uh, many of the ingredients that sustain us uh, as a community. 
um, along with the, the level of civility that we have in this community. And I think the connection to Ohio State, because of proximity, I think really does make a difference. So that's why I've lived here for 45 years. What would you change? Okay, so I think what I just shared with you is both a blessing and a curse, and Mm -hmm. not a curse in the deepest way. But I think it is the deep history and the the generational uh, legacy that's here, I think has created, not a surprise, a bit of a bubble. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated the survey that you did and how much you're communicating the results of those surveys, the survey that you did from um, the residents. And I think that this kind of generational uh, depth and, and grounding can cause us to not be as open yeah. and as welcoming to others. And I am really excited about the work that you're doing with the Community Relations Committee and with just making it top of mind along with i think the 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 natural uh evolution of the demographics of upper arlington Mm -hmm. this is a great place to live it's near you know it's an inner circle suburban community close to downtown we've got so much to offer we're not perfect but we've got a lot that we uh, um, can offer and i think it's a great opportunity to really assure that we're a diverse and welcoming and inclusive community going forward. And I think that was reflected in some of the results that you saw. So that's where I'd like to see the change. And I'm, I'm optimistic that it'll happen. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this stuff a lot, you and I, and, and, you know, you've really kind of informed me in terms of how to think about those things and that, and that really, it is, you know, um, the power of pride, but making sure that that pride doesn't um, lead to being insular. That's exactly right. And to that point, if we're going to do that, we need to be uh, we need to be intentional. Yeah. There needs to be some intentionality and some recognition that it is. A process and we need to address it in that way uh, with that with being authentic we yeah. need to be authentic we need to be disciplined we need to be intentional and I believe that we'll do that in a way that will make it happen and happen in the way that it should happen yeah. well I don't know that Darren and I will ever be very disciplined about stuff, but we've got people on our team who will. And we'll be intentional. We'll be intentional. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and doing this with us today. Thank you um, so much for everything you do in the community today and everything you've done in the past. And um, this was a lot of fun. Good. It's my pleasure. Thanks for bearing with our questions. I've learned a lot. That's and okay. I'm stunned at how good you were with 
the Hallmark or not Hallmark. We're gonna have to figure out a way to repeat that. I, I actually like the way that went. We're gonna I have to figure love, out. I just love how like she didn't prepare at all for that. And no, she, bam. And she crushed it. She did. I, because I, I was authentic in my passion. <laughs> Definitely intentional <laughs> in your answer. For rom coms. So. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks, Margie. You're welcome. All right.